stand, if you would, for the reading of God's Word. First Peter 1, 3 through 5. 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Amen. This is God's word. You may be seated. It's recommended that I... Uh, Keep it somewhat more brief, just because of the other events going on in the service today. So this, if you're wondering why it might be a little shorter, that's why. Um, but we will work through this passage together. Why does God save us? Ephesians 1 says, it's to the praise of His glorious grace. Ultimately, He does it for His own glory. That's why God saves us. So Peter rightly here begins this body of his letter by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God, he says. And he does so because he's moved by the glorious truths that make up our salvation. Peter will draw our attention here to Aspects of our salvation which are past, future, and present. In a way, it's, it's a lot like the Exodus. God brought up the people out of Egypt. And He kept saying to them, Remember the Exodus. Remember the day that I brought you up out of the land of bondage, out of the land of slavery. Remember that, that day of redemption. And He also reminds them, You have a promised inheritance. There's something you're going to. There's something you're headed towards. A promised land. A promised inheritance. And we sit very much in a similar position of being in a a wilderness season where we have been exiled out of bondage, out of the bondage of sin and slavery to it. And two, we're looking toward our final inheritance. So as, as we look through what Peter says about our salvation this morning... I hope that his his theology, his doctrine of God saving us will, as it does him, move us to praise God, to bless the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the first thing I want to look at here is our salvation as it's rooted in the past. Salvation rooted in the past. The first thing we see here that is past is Peter says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. So what we have here in the past is the new birth. We see that in John chapter 3. Jesus speaks to Nicodemus and he says, you know, you have to be born again. If you want to see the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. Of course, this confuses Nicodemus. He says, "Can can you go in your mother's womb a second time? Can you be born again? Jesus tells him, what is born of the flesh is of the flesh. What's born of the spirit is of the spirit. The wind blows where it will. We don't understand it, but we are regenerated. We are born again. 
So what we learn from Jesus here, what he teaches us, is we don't simply need a healer. We don't just need a physician. We're not merely sick and ailing. We need to be entirely recreated. We need new natures. We need life, spiritual life, breathed into our dead souls. Now Peter here, he attributes this to the Father. The Father caused us to be born again. But Jesus said, the Spirit blows where it will. So how do we make sense of that? I think we have to go back to last week where we talked about the Father electing us from before the foundation of the world in His divine foreknowledge. See, the the Father is the, the initiator of our salvation. So Peter can rightly say, blessed be the God and Father for causing us to be born again. So our salvation flows from God's decree. But it also flows from His character. We see here we're born again according to His great mercy. According to His great mercy. See, God is not duty-bound to some some external law. You know, God didn't say, well, you know, mercy's good, I think, so I, I need to go and save them. I need to obey this external law. God is merciful because God is mercy. God defines what is mercy. He doesn't owe dead sinners newness of life. We're dead, we're dead of our own initiative. You know, in Adam, all die. None is righteous, not even one. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. So God's mercy regenerates the, the undeserving dead to newness of life. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. I'll turn to Romans 15. Fifteen, beginning in verse eight, Paul says, "For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy, as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with His people." And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol Him. So why does God save us and display His mercy, His character to us? Expressly because He wants the peoples to extol Him, to praise His name. So once again, Peter is right in saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the ordination exam this week, we kind of got into the, the whole issue that's popular in our culture of you know, truth being subjective. Uh, is Christianity an objective reality, or is it something that I just take to myself and believe myself? But it, you know, anyone who tries hard and believes in God is going to be okay. And we have to say Christianity is objective because of the historicity of it. 
The second way here that our salvation is rooted in the past is the objective historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says here that we've been born to this hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So the resurrection is something that that happened. (laughs) It's an event. It's something that happened to a man named Jesus Christ. And this event that happened in history has implications for believers. Colossians 2 says, You have been raised with Him. 1 Corinthians 15 says, If He's dead, if He's still in the grave, you're still dead. You're dead in your sins. Strong implications that hinge on this one event of history. So the new birth is not based on a feeling. It's not based on opinion. It's based on a historical event, the resurrection of Jesus. So again, we can bless God for giving us a salvation not rooted in the the ever-changing winds of emotion and opinion, but in the unchanging history of the cross and an empty tomb. So that's how Peter grounds our salvation in the past here. Now he moves on and uh, we see that he grounds or he has salvation looking to the future toward our inheritance. Salvation is forward looking. He says we're born again to an inheritance. It's amazing that that we as creatures, we as, as rebels, enemies against God, get to call the Father of Jesus Christ our Father. And we get to share in the inheritance of our elder brother, Jesus Christ. That's an extraordinary gift to look forward to. He says it's an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Which leads us to ask, where is our our hope? Is it in the heavenly inheritance which is to come, or is it in the things of the world? Because we can, if you picture the, the Israelites going through the wilderness period, and, and you got the guy who's really into his tent. Now, he's got it really nice, and everybody's like, old Ben, he's got a nice tent. But he's always way behind, because he's always trying to lug it along. You know, it's, it's so nice. We can get like that. We can become so focused on the gifts, the good gifts of the world, the worldly inheritances, which can be good things that we have. We can become focused on those and forget about where we're headed, that this is truly a wilderness period, a temporary time. And we have a truly great inheritance that we will look forward to. And the thing is, is, is old Ben's tent is not imperishable. It's going to fade away. But he says our inheritance is imperishable, undefiled and unfading and God is keeping it in heaven for us the second forward looking element of our salvation is is salvation itself Peter says that it's a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time that's a weird way of talking isn't it We, we talk about salvation well I'm saved or I was saved in 1993 or I was saved to say a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time the thing is is that our our salvation has been initiated but it's yet to be consummated 
It's like a, a Christmas gift from a friend. They buy it, put it in a box, wrap it up, they give it to you and say, don't, don't open it till Christmas. And in a sense, you take it and it's yours, but it's yet to be revealed on that day when you pull the paper off and say, okay, now it's truly mine. It was always, always mine, but now it's revealed. That's the way our salvation is. So our salvation is rooted in the past. It looks to the future, but what about right now? What do we have to hold on to right now? So thirdly, salvation is, is lived in the present. Salvation's lived in the present. Notice what Peter says, we are born again unto. He says, we're born again unto a living hope. Our hope is a current and a living hope because we have a living Savior. Edmund Clowney writes, Peter writes a letter of hope. The hope he proclaims is not what we call a fond hope, We cherish fond hopes because they're so fragile. We hope against hope because we do not really expect what we hope for. But Peter writes of a sure hope, a hope that holds the future in the present because it is anchored in the past. I love that line. A hope that holds the future in the present because it's anchored in the past. He goes on, Peter hopes for God's salvation. God's deliverance from sin and death. His hope is sure because God has already accomplished his salvation in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So kind of bringing back to mind the, the, the Exodus imagery, I, I think of the, the spies who went into Canaan and they came back and most of them said, I don't think we can do it. But there was Caleb and Joshua. Caleb says, no, God can do it. Caleb had hope, a sure hope, because this was God's promise, not because they were stronger and could conquer Canaan, but because God was going to give it to them. So do we have a sure hope like Caleb because of God's promises, or are we like the spies that say, I don't know, maybe, maybe he can do it. Another element of salvation which is lived out in the present is our faith. He says in verse 5, Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So here we've seen, you know, my salvation is all nice and packaged up and, and ready and waiting for me. That's wonderful. It's neatly in heaven waiting for me. That's perfect. You know, I've been born again to a living hope. I'm very grateful for that. But this life is tough now. I'm I'm ready for December 25th. I want to see what's coming to me. I'm tired of wandering through this wilderness period. Calvin states that frustration like this. He says, What does it avail us that our sin is laid up in heaven when we are tossed here and there in this world as in a turbulent sea? What can it avail us that our salvation is secured in a quiet harbor when we are driven to and fro amidst a thousand shipwrecks? goes on to say how weak soever we may be yet our salvation is not uncertain because it is sustained by God's power so this this wilderness season is a waiting season it's a season of faith we're looking forward to the promises of God and trusting 
believing him that he will supply what he's promised. The Westminster Confession says that saving faith is different in degrees, weak or strong, may be often and in many ways assailed and weakened, but it gets the victory, growing up in many to the attainment of a full assurance through Christ, who is both the author and finisher of our faith. So remember, as we go through the the waiting season, as we go through the season of faith, we're not saved by the strength of our faith. We're saved by the object of our faith. So here's the theology we're presented with this morning. God initiates, God causes, God is merciful, God raised the Son, God raises us up with Him, God has an inheritance in store for us, God will finish the salvation He started, God has given us an unshakable hope, God has given and will continue to sustain our faith to the end. That's the theology. Here's the doxology. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Amen.